Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Learning with the Lion, a community read-through of the Gospel of Mark. Over the summer of 2023, members of the Ligonier community are coming together to walk through a 13-week exploration of Jesus' life, practicing reading the Bible together and asking what it means for everyday life. For more information, visit epiphanyligonier.org mark, where you can also sign up for our companion e-newsletter. Okay, it's time for a dirty little secret. What I'm about to share with you today is not something that clergy or scholars or Christians in general care to admit. In a world that demands excellence and total understanding and vocational competence, to say, I don't know, is a PR disaster, an admission of weakness and incompetence and unprofessional laxity. The world responds to this confession by saying, you don't know, well, figure it out. But every now and then, I don't know is the best and most accurate thing to say. And in our Mark reading this week, we read in Mark 9.39, one of those limits to our biblical expertise, a verse that we aren't sure exactly what it means. Indeed, plenty of scholars say that Mark 9.39 is one of the most, if not the most, confusing and mystical and challenging of verses in the New Testament. Guesses are thrown out, theories are suggested, but generally speaking, no one's quite sure what Jesus means when he says, for everyone will be salted with fire. That's what 9.39 tells us. Mark 9.39 is this verse. Jesus says that everyone will be salted with fire. What are we to make of this odd quip from Jesus? Well, first we look at our concentric circles of context. The passage comes at the end of Mark 9, where Jesus outlines the cost of following him. It's a passage that outlines how the kingdom of God is so valuable and the fires of hell are so unquenchable that it's metaphorically worth cutting off a sinning hand or gouging out a sinful eye to gain. And also, it's a passage that Jesus uses to employ the imagery of salt, famous imagery that Jesus uses to highlight the preservative nature of the mineral. Salt was used to dry and preserve and cure meats, and so it becomes a greater metaphor for the power of gospel to preserve and save that which is good from destruction and decay. What good is salt, asked Jesus, if it loses its saltiness? The saying implies that the saving work of the gospel is of utmost importance. It protects the world from falling apart and from experiencing decay and destruction. If the gospel doesn't save and change a person, what good is it? We can look back through the rest of the Bible and find other examples of fire and salt mixed together. Salt was a part of the offerings of the law of Moses. It was required that salt go into the sacrifices, particularly of wheat and grain sacrifices that were burnt. Salt was, in fact, supposed to go on all of the sacrifices. Salt was a part of the ritual needed to reopen the temple after it was destroyed by the Babylonians. And then, of course, fire is associated with both punishment and purity in the Bible. The wicked are burned away with fire, but the righteous are purified as metal is purified in the furnace. Perhaps the most famous combination of fire and salt in the Bible comes from the punishment of Sodom and Gomorrah where fire fell from heaven and Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt for looking back with regret. 
So what does it mean that everyone will be salted with fire? Well, maybe it means that everyone will undergo a final judgment, that a final flame will come and purify the righteous and consume the wicked. Maybe it means that the disciples will become purified agents of God's work. And maybe it means that the gospel is the salt that makes us acceptable living sacrifices, where our lives are turned over to God in the same way that an Old Testament animal's life was turned over to God, but without the ritual sacrifice involved. The truth is, we're just not sure. And there are a handful of verses in the Bible where we just aren't 100% sure what Jesus means. The early church didn't have an opinion on the verse. The historians and archaeologists don't have any clues to help us. Whatever Jesus meant by this, and whatever Mark meant to tell us by this, has been lost to time. Now, here's why this isn't a problem, and here's why you shouldn't be too concerned about it. First, the core dynamics of the Christian faith don't depend on this verse. You know, it's not like we're sitting here stressing over what John 3.16 means or the important bits of the book of Romans. Nothing about this verse is in opposition to solid Christian teaching, no matter how it's interpreted. Second reason we shouldn't be concerned is that possible understandings of this verse, they all make sense. We're not treading into heresy by how we interpret this one sentence, and this one sentence doesn't set us up for heresy in any other way. Third reason why we shouldn't be concerned about it is we fully grasp 99% of the Bible. This little extra bit here that doesn't make sense, well, it doesn't change the gospel story or the overall Bible story at all. If anything, it highlights how humankind is fickle and forgetful, not that God isn't faithful. And finally, we shouldn't be concerned because one day we might rediscover what Jesus meant. Every few years, a historian will come up with something that we haven't really reckoned with, or there'll be an archaeology discovery that helps give time and context to the Bible passages that we know and love and some that we don't know all that well. Which is to say that sometimes God's providence is funny, and sometimes we discover new and notable things about the Bible through history and archaeology. So don't be alarmed if a pastor or a scholar can't give you a full answer to a, the meaning of a particular text. It happens from time to time. And when you come across a verse like this, say a prayer and trust that God knows what he's doing and move forward. Jesus still rose from the dead. Your sins are still forgiven. And if those two things are true, we can be a little more comfortable with the occasional addition of mystery or ambiguity in our faith. We may not know what a verse means, but God does. And the ultimate Christian hope is that one day we can simply ask him about it in person. And so we need not be concerned about a Bible verse that doesn't make sense and the scholars can't help us with. Because ultimately, we trust that God knows what he's doing. And one day, everything will be revealed to us. Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.